My message today is entitled, The Light of Hope. As we begin our Advent season, it's fitting that we just participated in a light parade last night in Roscoe. We walked with fellow Christians around a giant lit cross. The beauty and significance of this event is that light shines out of the darkness, creating a magnificent contrast. That's what we're called to be as Christians, is to be a contrast in the world, to look different from the world, to offer, offer people in the world something different that they can't find in the world. I will tell you that there is no greater contrast ever than when Jesus came into the world. John 8.12, so this was on the back of our shirts. If you have one of our shirts, we wore these, this verse last night. John 8.12 says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. It is this contrast of light out of darkness that gives hope. Jesus Christ, the hope of the world, has come to people who sat in darkness. You see, some people get it wrong when they talk about the nativity and the advent. It's, it's not about the birth of, of, of the baby Jesus. It's about hope coming to a world who sat in darkness. A people that could not find themselves out of their problems. They could not make their way back to God. And so God sent us Jesus to be our hope. How many know that you can't have hope unless you have despair first? Unless you have a time of darkness first? Well, the darkness that the people were in wasn't just the difficult times. It wasn't just the oppression from the Romans. It wasn't the economic breakdowns and the poverty. The reason that they found themselves in darkness in a dark place was because of their sin. It's the same place that we find us, which is why we need the hope of Jesus. Many people choose to sit in darkness because of their sin. This is where people were sitting when Jesus came to the world. And even though this well-known verse about Jesus being the light of the world, even though it's very well-known and very popular the songs about the light of the world, few people can recall the context that this was made when Jesus made the statement. So we're going to study that today. It's in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, starting at verse 1. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him. And he sat down and taught them. You know, God doesn't just automatically download heavenly wisdom into us when we need it. You know what I mean? Kind of like my I have students at school and they just think that they go to bed with the book underneath their pillow and all get downloaded into their head. Doesn't happen that way. Same with being a Christian. Just because we're a Christian, God doesn't just automatically give us wisdom. We need to seek, seek him. Seek him. Just like the people, they came to him. We need to spend time in prayer. And prayer is not just us asking a bunch of things. It's speaking and listening. It's meditating on his word and seeing how God speaks to us through his word. We need to ask him questions and listen to his answers, whether we like them or not. That's, how, that's what it is spending time with God and seeking him. These people here in this, in this story, in this event, came to Jesus. Even though he draws us and, he, and invites us to come near, we still have to respond. He draws all of us, but not everybody responds to the invitation. We still have to come to him. Verse 3. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman 
caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst and made a public spectacle of her. You see, there's many reasons why people come to Jesus. Some come only when they're in need of help. Some come only to mock and to doubt and to argue with Jesus and with Christians. Some are more quick to condemn others rather than to show compassion. They're quick to point out why someone else is a sinner rather than trying to restore them back into good standing. That is where these Pharisees, that's what exactly what they did. They not only sought to condemn this person, this woman who was called an adultery. Did you ever wonder where the man was in that story? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. They wanted to shame this woman. They want to put her in the center and they want to shame her. They sought to condemn her. But they also sought to do it publicly. Why? Because they fed off of the praises of others. And that's exactly why they sat in darkness. For they sought condemnation over compassion. They sought pride over humility. If we're not careful as Christians, as Christ's representative in the world, then we will find ourselves in the same place. Judging others because they're different, rather than saying, I want you to have what I have. I want to share Jesus with you. You see, they had no desire to help this woman. They didn't bring her to Jesus like many other people did to get them healed. It wasn't like the four men that brought the, a, a lame man to Jesus to get him healed. They brought this woman to Jesus to be condemned. They had no desire to help, no desire to forgive her, or even to restore her with truth. They only sought to make themselves look better by shining a light on her sin and comparing that light to their perceived holiness, or so they thought. Verse 4. They said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery, in the very act. You see, the Pharisees did not bring this woman to Jesus to get help. They brought her to be condemned. But before you think that this passage is another story about the cold-hearted Pharisees, understand that this is a warning for all of us. Because every one of us has a sinful nature that tempts us to do those same things. All of us are tempted to resort to condemnation instead of compassion. Because all of us have a sinful nature that seeks to derail us by seeking to puff up our flesh instead of strengthening our spirit. Verse 5. The Pharisees continue. Now Moses in the law commanded that such who committed adultery should be stoned. What do you say, Jesus? You see, they had no intention of wanting to know what to do. They had already made up in their minds what should happen. Naturally, they sought condemnation. Their only goal in coming to Jesus was to try to trap Jesus in his words. To try to trap him into contradicting the law, which they all thought that they followed to a T. Of course, what they failed to realize were the limits of the law. In the heart of God. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse six says this God made us all <coughs> sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter of the not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. 
The reason that the Pharisees sat in darkness and were never able to receive the light of hope and the light of truth is because they sought the letter of the law, what it seemed to say on the surface, instead of seeking the spirit behind the law that held up the law. <coughs> the letter kills because it leads to condemnation. There is no one, including the Pharisees, who were able to follow the law perfectly. That is why the letter kills. If you're going to judge others because of their sin of breaking the law, then you must judge yourself as well. Because we all sin. We all break the law of God. The Pharisees did not understand why the law was given. It was not given, as they mistakenly thought, to show how righteous they could be because they maybe they followed the law better than other people. No one can follow the law perfectly. Every one of us, the Bible says, falls short of the glory of God. Every one of us is guilty. Therefore, the law was not given to make us righteous by what we could do. The law was given to make us guilty before God. It was given to show us that no one can follow the law that was given, it was given to us to reveal sin in us. Why? Because once we realize that we all sin, then we can turn to the one who forgives us of our sin. I've said this many times before. The best way to explain heaven. Heaven is not a place where somebody gets in because they gave more money. And someone gets in because they prayed more. And someone gets in because they served more. And someone gets in because they read the Bible more. If it was, we all would be comparing what we did. How would that be heaven? There's only one way that heaven can be a perfect place. It's if we all got in the same way. What's the one way that we get into heaven? Jesus, right? Jesus died for my sins. He died for your sins. We all sin. We all mess up. I need to come to God and say, Yes, God, I'm a sinner. Help me. Forgive me of my sins. Come live inside of me. Make me become more like you. When you go to heaven, and they say, Why should I let you in my heaven after you die? Don't you dare think about all the things you've done. The reason why any of us get to go into heaven, we say, because Jesus because he died for me. So not about what we do, and there's great things we can do, but it doesn't earn us our salvation. The Pharisees thought they could follow the law well enough to get higher standing. But the truth is, one sin will keep you out of heaven. But Jesus forgives our sin. Amen? Amen. When we realize that we're sinners and that we stand guilty before God in darkness, we open ourselves up to the light of hope. That's why the law was given. To make us guilty. Not so that we condemn ourselves and walk around in guilt and shame, but we can, we show that we're guilty because Jesus is the answer. There's a lot of people who will not admit that they're wrong. They will not admit that they're guilty. And they're harming themselves because if you don't admit that you need Jesus, Jesus will not come into your life and change your life and change your eternity. The law was given to show us our guilt. So that we could see our hope. The hope of the world, Jesus Christ. We come to him in repentance. We change not just how we act, we change how we think and how we view sin. 
We ask God to forgive us because we know that our sin separates us from God. And then when Jesus forgives us, he makes us righteous by the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus comes as the light of hope, coming to a soul who knows they are in darkness. Have you ever been somewhere with someone? Ladies, don't say this too loud. Have you ever been with someone and your husband is looking for, is your lost? And he won't admit that he's lost? Or you're you yourself? And you get further lost? I see a couple guys get bruised on their arms right now. <laughs> Here's the whole thing about the Christianity. We have to admit we're lost. We have to admit that we blew. We have to admit that we sinned. We have to admit that we need Jesus. Not we're just going to try him. We need him. We have to admit that we are in darkness. We have to realize that we are in darkness. So that Jesus can turn the light on. But for people who don't realize they need Jesus, they sit in darkness and they condemn others. They fail to realize how strong and how stubborn the darkness is. If you seek the honor of others instead of forgiveness of God, if you seek being right more than being corrected so that you can become more like Christ, if you seek pride over humility, then you will respond like the Pharisees who caught this woman in sin and immediately seek condemnation of those who are different from you. A person who walks in the righteousness of Christ sees an unrighteous person, sees someone actively engaged in sin, and immediately thinks, how can I share Jesus with this person? How can I bring them healing and forgiveness and truth so that they can be just like me? They can have the same blessings that I have. They can be forgiven just like me. They can walk in the grace of Christ just like me. They can have a future and a hope for eternity just like me. An insecure person who is full of pride and arrogantly thinks that he or she is better than others upon seeing an unrighteous person who is actively involved in sin, immediately thinks, how can I point out this person's wrongs? How can I criticize them? How can I condemn their behavior because they're different from me? How can I do these things so that I can separate myself from them? I don't want to be anything like them, and I don't want them to be anything like me. The reason why people are tempted to separate themselves from others who sin is because there's a temptation to believe that if you push others down, then it pushes you up or it gives you a higher standing. It's all based on that comparison thing we talked about, which is pride. At the very least, you think that you'll feel better about yourself by comparing yourself with others who seem worse off than you. Now understand that no one would admit to thinking these thoughts, but that's the temptation of the sinful flesh that tries to work in all of us. That's why, like the Pharisees, if we are not humble and submitted to Christ, we will be more apt to first criticize others who sin, rather than showing compassion and wanting to help to bring them to Jesus. When we choose condemnation over compassion, 
we sit in darkness. When we choose giving in to temptation to sin over trusting Jesus and seeking Him, we sit in darkness. When we choose despair and negativity over forgiveness and prayer, we choose to sit in darkness. If you are honest, all of you, where are you choosing to sit right now? When you consider those in your life, those who you are frustrated with, those who are different than you, those who have a different opinion than you, those who have offended you, those who have treated you wrongly, those who behave or speak differently, what's your first thought? Are you quick to condemn them as sinners because they have disagreed with you and offended you or hurt you? Or are you quick to demonstrate compassion by praying for them, by forgiving them, and by sharing Jesus with them? Based on your response, understand that it's your choice to either sit and remain in darkness or open the light of Jesus to lead you out of the darkness. For it is the light of Jesus which gives hope that he will lead us out. When you consider where this woman found herself in sin, in condemnation from others, and almost certainly walking in self-condemnation herself, you have to believe that she too was in the darkness with no light of hope. And now the Pharisees were ready to pronounce judgment on her and keep her in darkness forever telling Jesus that she should be stoned for her sin. Verse 6. This they said, testing Jesus, that they might have something on which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. What did Jesus write? Did you ever wonder that? Scholars have debated this, but in context, it's likely that he was writing something about the darkness of condemnation when that is the preeminent thing in people's hearts. Condemnation darkens your heart so that you cannot see the light of Jesus. Matthew 6.22 The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. Verse 23 but if your eye is bad, if the first thing you see is sin in others and seeking to condemn them, if you compare it about what you see, if the first thing you see, if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You see, if your eye is bad, you're quick to see the worst in others. You're quick to see how different they are from you instead of how much alike that they could be if you shared Jesus with them. You're quick to condemn others instead of praying for them. You're quick to criticize instead of interceding and helping them. And here's the thing, expect nothing in return. You're quick to argue or ignore instead of seeking how you can share Jesus with them to make them more like you. 
If people were truly honest with themselves, they would see that all of us are tempted to condemn first rather than to show compassion. We all are tempted to remain in darkness instead of turning to Jesus to forgive us and so that we can also forgive others as well. You can see how Jesus may very well have been writing something about forgiveness being the way out of the darkness. Verse 7. So when they continued asking Jesus, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. The greatest way to defeat darkness is to insert truth into the equation. In other words, if you're going to condemn others who sin, you have every right to do so, but if you're going to condemn others who sin, you must condemn yourself as well. Because every one of us sins. If you're going to live by judgment, then you must judge yourself as well. Every time you judge others, you're telling God, God, put me on trial also, and I'm representing myself. Matthew 7, verse 1 and 2. You know this verse. Judge not, that you be not judged. For with the judgment that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. These are the words of Jesus. This is the New Testament, not the Old Testament. These are the words of Jesus that when applied to our own choices and our own words and our own thoughts show us that we too are guilty. It is this truth inserted into the darkness of condemning others that forces us to make a choice now that truth has been presented to us. Either we face and accept the conviction and turn to Jesus in repentance and ask for forgiveness and healing. Or we walk away. We ignore the words of Jesus like many people do and we sit in deeper darkness. There's times when I've walked into the house with my kids and they're in the room during the day and the, slowly the sun goes down and I walk in later and they're sitting in darkness because the sun went down and they didn't even realize it. There are many people, if we do the same thing, if we ignore the words of Jesus, if we ignore the forgiveness and the compassion and the repentance, we sit in darkness, we don't even realize it. Jesus has come that we should no longer walk in darkness. Verse 8 and 9. Again, Jesus stooped down and he wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest to the last. Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Jesus always brings light into darkness, for he is the light of hope. What each person did with their conviction and guilt is unknown. I don't know if it meant up to them, or they just walked away and went back to their own ways. We don't know that. Whether they truly changed for good or walked back into another darkness remains to be seen. But Jesus was not done yet. He sought to bring hope to someone who desired to get out of her own darkness. John 8, verse 10. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one except the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? 
Has no one condemned you? Verse 11, she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What right do we have to, con to condemn people because they sin and because they're different than us? And Jesus himself says, neither do I condemn you. That's up to God. We are, we are to know his word and we are to follow his word and to stand against sin for ourselves. But condemnation is up to God. Thank God that God didn't judge us when we were stuck in our sins. That God held up hope by His grace and has changed us. And we still mess up and we still sin. But God slowly by His grace changed us to make us more like Him. This is the light of truth that Jesus brings. Sin will only cause us to stay in darkness. But if we want that light of hope, we need to make the choice to repent and leave sin. So in this context, Jesus makes this defining statement. John 8, 12. This is our verse we talked about. Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of light. Listen, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what sin or how many sins you've committed. It doesn't matter how far you've fallen away. It doesn't matter how hopeless it seems. It doesn't matter how dark your darkness is. It doesn't matter how condemned you have been felt by others. Or even how much you've condemned yourself. If we choose to follow Jesus, to accept his truth, to seek to know him more, to choose compassion over condemnation, to choose humility over pride, then we have the light of hope to lead us out of the darkness. We have Jesus, the light of the world. This is the light of hope that Isaiah prophesied would one day come to those who sat in darkness. Isaiah 9, 1 and 2. By the way of the sea beyond the Jordan and Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. If you come to Jesus, lost in your sins, realizing that you sit in darkness, he has come to be your light of hope to lead you out of the darkness. Hope had come to the people to lead them out of, a dar out of darkness. Not a darkness of foreign powers or bad government or economic conditions or oppressive forces, but the darkness of sin and its companion of condemnation. So that when the angel announced this plan, when the fullness of time had come, and the angel announced this plan to Joseph, he shared the hope of his light. Matthew 1.18 now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, Son of David. You know why he said it? He said, remember the plan. You are part of the plan. 
Do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Verse 21. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. That was the hope that came to the world. That's the joy to the world that we sing about at Christmas time. The hope in someone's darkness to lead us out. Hope has come to a people who sat in darkness. Jesus would come to save the people from their sins. He would lead them out of the darkness and he's still in the light business today to lead us out of the darkness when we choose to follow him. This is the hope that we remember today on this first week of Advent. We do not have to walk in darkness any longer. We have the light of the world. We have hope. We have Jesus. Truly, he is our all in all in all that we do. And I'm going to tell you this coming a day when there is no darkness. There's coming a day when there's no tears and there's no sorrow. What a day that will be.